0: Absolutely. It depends on the uh, C.O.R. of the flagstick, so the Co-Vision Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to.
1: Welcome back, podcast patrons, to episode 28 of Leave the Pin In. I'm your host, Dan, and I've got a special guest today. I've got the other Dan from Train On Main. Dan, what's the good word?
0: What's going on, Pete? How are you?
1: Good, good. Everything is going well. Um, Let's start off by giving a shout-out to our sponsor, Mulligans Golf, who hooked uh, you and I up with some great golf gear that we wore to the Wyndham Championship this week. We're going to get to the Wyndham in a little bit, but let's just rewind real quick for people. Last week, Brooks won the WGC. Uh, Dan, now his ratio is all messed up. He's actually winning tour events now. I don't like this. (laughs) I
0: know. I was really hoping that he would... uh finished his career with more majors than PGA Tour wins. So he's got to slow down just a little bit on that. Uh, but look, I mean, this guy's a beast right now. He's putting together one of the best seasons, you know, in recent memory, maybe since Tiger, honestly. Uh, so, I mean, he's a man right now.
1: Yeah, you're right. Take away one of those Rory years, you know, when he won, like, the PGA in the Open and had a few other wins scattered in there and that Justin Thomas season when he won five times. This is probably one of the best years when you take into consideration all of his high finishes and majors as well as his PGA wins since Tiger.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, Rory had, that, he had a very good year. What year was that? That uh, yeah, was, like, 11 uh, or 12, 12
1: or something like that.
0: Yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's on fire.
1: Um, now I know you've got a bone to pick with Brooks Kepka and his Nike shirts.
0: <laughs> Look, no, it's not even Brooks, man. It's, it's Nike itself. I'm sure he literally just gets some FedEx to him before each, uh, each round he plays and just throws it on. But it's like, come on, man, the stock shirts are killing me. I mean, we're both... We're both into our, our style a little bit, and trust me, I love Nike and I wear plenty of their stuff. But you got to give us a little variety, man. Give us give us some print, give us some flora. I mean, all these solid ones and all the same colors. He's rocking blue, gray, white, maybe black every once in a while. That's about it.
1: I think you might be on take from the PGA Tour. You mentioned in FedEx in there. How come? Uh, how do we know he didn't get him <laughs> shipped DHL or UPS or something?
0: Look, I'll stay on brand with you, and I'll stay on brand with all the people that help me. Yeah, fair I'll enough.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, so Brooks goes out and wins. Sir, uh, not Sergio. Geez. Rory dies again oh, on a Sunday. Dude's got the, the most top tens um, beyond anyone this year. I think he's up to 16 top tens at of 22 events now. Just can't close on a Sunday. If he could, he'd probably have seven wins this year, You know, in addition to the well, Players' Championship he has.
0: Well, I mean, he brought up surgery out. Uh, he's been in the news just as much as those guys <laughs> for his antics, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's why. That's what I was reading on the on the roll yeah. list here. Uh, yeah. What about this idiot destroying the tee box at St. Jude last week?
0: That was uh, that was classic. We actually watched that together, I think, while we were down there. But I mean, it's it's just so disrespectful. I mean, to the game. To the fans, to, to his caddy. My gosh, the guy's a so professional out there, and he's throwing clubs at him and he acting the way he does. That's unfair women. to everybody, and you know, there's no no repercussion though, you know, and that's why it continues.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if the repercussion is behind the scenes, because we know the PJ Tour loves to hide stuff. They don't like to talk about drug tests. and don't like to talk about fines, slow play penalties, any of that stuff. Even if it's behind the scenes, it's obviously not enough. It's not hitting them in the pocketbook enough in order for him to stop. So I think the only way you do it is by making it public. But, I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as he turned 40, won the Masters, and got married, everyone thought, hey, well, this guy's going to slow down. And he's become more of a moron since then.
0: Yes, and maybe it's the frustration because he did win the Masters, and you know he thought maybe his career was going to, you know, maybe take off, or, you know, get his get his second career almost at forty, and uh, and it really has not. I mean, I don't even recall him placing very well in the in recent memory. Uh, so, yeah, I mean that that's my theory on it is is. He thought that maybe he was going to get a, a second win here and it really really has not happened
1: yeah well I mean th- there's there's no place in the top 10 where you're too busy destroying bunkers and greens and spitting in cups and I mean that takes up so much of your energy how can you focus on golf <laughs> and look there's, oh, I mean, there's no true. more there's no more 40 year old uh, second careers not with these young guns out there and we'll talk about them in a second because we saw them firsthand this week and they are good.
0: You couldn't couldn't be more right. It's it's insane. It really is.
1: Yeah, speaking of one of the young guns, Colin Morikawa wins last week at the Barracuda Championship, which is the Stableford event in Nevada, and for people that don't know what the Stableford is, basically you get points for certain things, so like an eagle is worth five, birdie worth three, par worth one or nothing, and then... Bogeys, double bogeys, things along those lines, those are going to cost you negative points. So you want to be in the higher points. I think Colin ended up with 48 points. He won it. His first tour victory being a rookie out of uh, the University of California, Golden Bears. We talked with him at the Wyndham as well. And again, another young gun who has no fear and goes out and wins in his first PGA Tour season.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we can agree on something. Like he was maybe the coolest dude that we met while we were down there.
1: I, I mean, uh, yeah, man. You know, it's got to be either him or Jason Gore. I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, very true. But we've had Jason Gore on the podcast before, so kind of count that as meeting. You know.
1: Yeah, that's true. Hey, <laughs> but yeah, Jason let's... Gore is
0: legit. And I hope. I hope Jason Gore is listening. I hope he got home safe last night. I know we both. Uh, we were both sitting at the airport there uh waiting for our flights that both got canceled so (laughs) let's hope hope our guy got home safe
1: yeah without a doubt we'll get into that in a second first before we talk about the windham championship let's take a quick two-second break to hear from our sponsors all right people just like that we're back so look we had to go over last week real quick and kind of get that out of the way but let's talk about the real stuff what everyone wants to hear dan and i were down at the windham championship all this week creating content, getting a ton of pictures, videos, talking to everybody and their mother down there, from equipment reps to tour pros, um, from the reins to the putting green to on course, inside the ropes. we were given kind of complete access uh, by Wyndham and the Wyndham Championship down there in Greensboro at Sedgefield Country Club. Um, Dan, give me your overall thoughts on the tournament before we start to break down everything.
0: Oh, man, I don't even know where you're going to start, honestly, because it was it was a 10 out of 10. Honestly, it exceeded all expectations that I had. I know it did for you, too. Uh, you know, I obviously appreciate the invite. I felt like Victor Holland this week, you know, the sponsor exempt in there. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, it was 10 out of 10, man. It really was.
1: Yeah, what was, what was crazy is, now I've been to a few events as media before, but what was crazy is the ability and access that Wyndham gave us. So Dan and I basically had carte blanche to do whatever we want and to get as much content as we needed for the podcast. So we started there on Monday, went to the media shuttle lot, That was super smooth, real easy. Took the shuttle over about five minutes to the media center. Got our picture IDs. Had uh, free reign to kind of pick wherever we wanted to sit in the media center. Uh, Free donuts, food. I mean, they had four or five coolers full of every juice or water or soda that you could have wanted. They had a girl that was serving up iced lattes, hot coffee, um uh juice mixes i mean everything like everything you could want gave us breakfast gave us lunch uh we didn't stay long enough but i'm sure they did dinner as well most days because we went back to the hotel and then eventually some baseball games and stuff so dan give us an idea of of monday when you got off that media bus what were you expecting
0: honestly i i tried to temper the expectations because i really didn't know you know I've been to tour events and stuff, just as you have, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have. And, you know, you kind of know what to expect there, but with no fans being there, I figured, you know, I know there's got to be a lot of media that don't really go out and walk the tour. So I figured, you know, if we go out for that pro-am on Monday. We would be, you know, one of the only, the only ones out there, uh, which really was true. Uh, but yeah, when we walk into the, into the media center, I actually could not believe how few people were in there. You know, you walk in and we walk right into where they do the interviews and stuff, like you saw Grant Snedeker today uh on TV and stuff. And then you walk into just the uh media center with the with the laptops and the and the desk and it was empty. <laughs> I don't even think there was one other person in there. So that was uh very surprising to me uh that nobody was really around on Monday, which hey, was great for us honestly.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic, and, you know, obviously, if if you've been looking at our Instagram stories and follow us on Instagram, you saw that... Um You know, we were in the media center for a little bit, but like Dan said, we were out on the course a ton. So Monday, since this tournament has two presenting sponsors, has BB&T, which is a bank in Greensboro, and then obviously has Wyndham uh, Properties, Wyndham Hotels, which everybody knows worldwide as its overriding sponsor. There were two pro-ams. So Monday was a pro-am, but you could not buy tickets to the course Monday. Now, talking with the caddies and the guys out there, they love this, to have a day to themselves to come in late if they needed, not feel the pressure of needing to be there because fans bought tickets. It was a real laid-back atmosphere. So there 26 pros that were playing. And by dumb luck, we happened upon a guy called Ryan Sharp. And Dan didn't know who he was, I didn't know who he was. Turns out the people playing with him didn't even know who he was. So A few pros, since they were either coming from Memphis or they were coming from Reno and coming in late, had bailed on the Monday Pro-Am, leaving Ryan Sharp to fill in a spot. Now, who is Ryan Sharp, you might ask? Ryan Sharp is a mini-tour player. He lives at Sedgefield, literally across from the driving range. He is a Sedgefield club champ, so you know the kid can play, but he's not a tour pro. So we get to interviewing this one guy who was playing with him, And he says, "Ah, I've been playing here 15 years. I'm a four-time champ of the Pro-Ams. He's like, I really want to win today. He's like, I'm with Ryan Sharp. I don't know much about him, but I heard he's a decent mini-tour player. So Dan and I are thinking, okay, this might go downhill quickly. Well, this dude steps up on the tee, Blasts a drive 310, sticks a 9-iron to 15 feet under the hole, leaves the pin in and sinks the putt. His team is one under after one. They were four under through six holes. It just goes to show how many players are amazing out there that can't even sniff being on the PGA Tour.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was that was one of the most amazing things that I think we saw all week was just, you know, everybody and even those dudes that were playing with them that one big guy steps up there and cranks the ball past where even Sharp put it. And, uh, you know, there are just so many solid golfers, you know, at every event, you know, that probably aren't even tour pros.
1: Yeah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Golf Digest publishes this every year, and they say something along the lines of 1% or 2% of golfers, can or one one or two percent of the population can break a hundred in golf. So like if you can break a hundred, you are in rarefied air, right? Special company. It's gotta be 0.1 or 0.01% of guys that make it on the tour. Cause I'm telling you what, if you put this guy in pants and a logoed shirt and put him in a titeless hat, I would have had no idea that he wasn't a PGA Tour Pro. That's how good he was. And he has never had tour status. He's never had Corn Ferry tour status. PGA Tour Latino America, PGA Tour China, uh, Euro Tour, nothing whatsoever. He's played many tours in the Carolinas where you pay 500 bucks to enter and try to win 3000 Like, that's all he can play. And the dude goes out and birdies, I think it was three of the first six holes at a PGA Tour course.
0: Yeah, from... From the back tees, by the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and trust me, people. Like when you see our pictures on Instagram of where this Wyndham T box area is with the with the sand and the beach balls and stuff, there's almost no room to move back there. They've got the tees so far back on this course. They have it stretched to the tips.
0: Yeah, I mean, where another amazing thing was where they were making the guys that were actually playing the pro am. Off from was much further back than what I would have imagined it was going to be. Most tee boxes it was, it was only, what would you say, 15, 20-yard advantage?
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, the, the, yeah, 20, 30 max. I mean, there were a few like nine. on the par fives where the guys were up forward, but at least on Monday's program, they were playing them back a little bit. Yeah,
0: which, I mean, was pretty impressive because these guys were definitely putting the ball in play.
1: Oh look, I mean, you know, some of these guys are real solid country club players and you got to figure an entrant into that event is paying anywhere or at least their company's paying anywhere between 3 and 10 grand per person. So, right. if you're paying that on your own, you better damn well be a pretty good player um in order to, you know, justify spending that much money for a pro am.
0: No, for sure. Definitely.
1: Now, Quite honestly, one of the things I was thinking, Dan, and I didn't even bring this up when we were there, but I think I would have been a little bit pissed if I was a guy that got paired up in a pro-am and I see, like, hey, two groups after me is playing with Boo Weekly. uh, The group ahead of me is playing with Mike Weir, and I'm stuck with a dude that lives across from the driving range of the course.
0: Oh, for sure. I definitely thought that, too. Yeah, I guess we did not bring that up. But, yeah, I mean... Although he is a great player, uh, you know, when you pay that money, I think you are expecting to play a tour professional. You know, and Ryan Sharp from the two minutes that we spoke with him was down to earth cool dude. And uh I would have no problem playing with him. But uh yeah, you know, if you're up in ten grand, I'd probably like to play in the uh group ahead of them with Mike Weir.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Um I, I I kind of wonder how Wyndham and BB&T got, a, you know, got away with that. Um, it it kind of seems like a little bit of a shady dealing, uh, especially since it was so last minute. I mean, you know, Ryan had told us, he's like, hey, man, look, I got called literally a day ago and was asked if I could fill in. And I was like, hell yeah, I could fill in. I play this club all the time. Who you want me to play with? You want me to play with three dudes? Yeah, I'll play with three dudes. I play with three dudes all the time. It doesn't mean, Like, to him, it was nothing. He was so laid back and down to earth, and it it kind of showed in his golf swing and his demeanor but, uh, again, I think I'd be a little bit disappointed unless they won. And we didn't stick around to see who won. But if they won, then I guess all's forgiven.
0: Well, let's be honest. We don't know, you know, because of that. I mean, they could have complained and said, oh, you guys get in free next year. Or, you know, give you half money back. We don't know what happened. But, sure. you know, so on the on the outside of the you're looking at it and you're like, ah, all right, maybe <laughs> maybe I'd be it was me. But we don't know what happened.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I know I definitely would. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so I think one of the other cool things we need to let people know is that not only did we have media access to the media center, and on Tuesday they had our placard up there for Leave the Pin In, which was, you know, beyond awesome. And we were sitting right behind PGA Tour Communications, right in front of the Korean contingent, um, who was there, uh, you know, basically to see Hideki and everybody else. But, uh, The access granted, the ability to walk on and off the putting green as players are putting, the ability to walk in and out of the tour vans, the trailers, uh, the ability to walk up and down the line at the range, talk to whoever we wanted, interact with whoever we wanted. That was special, and and for that, I cannot thank Wyndham enough. Um, What did you think the first time that we walked through with the players onto the range?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think when them put together with a course that is that old and, uh, you know, they put together something pretty special with what they have to work with, uh, so kudos to them. But, yeah, when we walked, the access that we were granted was just simply amazing, and that was the biggest shock to me for sure. Uh, but, yeah, when you walk onto the range and, you know, you see these guys, like, you know, Collins out there, and you got got uh, – you know, Boo Weekly and, uh, you know, all these dudes, Mike Weir, they're just standing in front of you. And, you know, we can actually almost get in front of them while they're hitting, you know, taking pictures and all that stuff on the side uh, right where they're grabbing their balls. Uh, I mean, it was simply amazing. It really was. It was. That was easily the best part for me, you know, the access granted in those different areas.
1: I think one of the things too, which is really cool, which, you know, I'm grateful for and the people listening may never have the chance to do that. So, you know, I want to kind of convey it to them, but how open so many of these guys are to just talking golf with you. Um, you know, honestly, a lot of these dudes are golf nerds, just like us. And you bring up the subject of like, Hey man, like, is that a new grip or something? Like, uh, what type of shaft is that? And, and automatically it's like you become best friends and this is a dude you've watched on tv for years um, but we had that ability. We uh, funny story. So we met Brendan Steele, and I've known Brendan for a little bit on and off. Never met him personally, but through social media and stuff. I've done some interviews with him through uh, blogs and other different websites that I used to write for. But I said, "Hey, Brendan," I said, "My name's Dan Patterson." He's like, "Oh my god, what's going on, dude? Like, how's everything going?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, of course I remember the interviews and stuff like that." He's like, "How's the podcast and all that stuff?" And so Brandon, you know, a guy that's won 25 mil in his career, a guy that uh, won uh, gosh, the tournament in California where they give the big wine barrel f- to the champion, I can't remember the name of it, but you know won it three years, twice back to back. You know, a dude's got like four or five PGA tour wins, has his own podcast, is carrying his own bag from the <laughs> driving range. Up to the putting yeah. green, which is where, you know, I spotted him. And I was like, Dan, I said, that's Brendan Brennan Steele. Let's go. So he puts and his bag down. I don't down. think
0: that I actually believed you because the dude was carrying his own bag. <laughs> and we only saw him from the back, so I didn't get to see his face. Right. Yeah, and if you did call that one. I don't think I believed you.
1: <laughs> and see, the, and the thing is, like, I think that's a brilliant strategy by Brendan as well. Like, okay, I don't want to be bothered. All right, so if I, ha- if I hoof the bag, no one's going to say anything to me because I think I'm just a caddy. So I'll just kind of go in unencumbered. And there's a, decent, there's a decent walk. There's a good five 600-yard walk from the driving range to the putting green. So we get up to the putting green, and Brendan's up there. He's talking with one of the reps. I'm not going to interrupt. So Dan and I are perusing, looking at all the putters, checking out the new Scotty Camerons that are laid out there for everybody, talking to the Scotty Cameron rep, talking to everybody else. And uh, we introduce ourselves to Brendan. I said, "Dude, what are you doing?" He's like, "I'm looking for a new putter." I said, "What? What do you, what do you mean you're looking for a new putter?" He's like, "Oh, I love the tinker He's like, "Look at all these, dude. Check these all out, you know." And he's showing them to us left and right. And uh, here's a guy that's won, like I said, 25 mils, got four or five tour wins, a staple on the PGA Tour and he wanted a new putter for this week. So he went out to putter's row where they have everything set up and all the tournament reps are there and was on the putting green for about two hours trying out everybody's putter. Uh, Dan, which putter, if I held a gun to your head and told you you had to take one, what one were you taking home from what we saw there?
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not not exaggerating, Brandon Steele. Literally, two hours, (laughs) he was out there just with the odyssey putters so with those new stroke labs and just just trying out different ones uh gun to my head listen those the Swag putters are complete fire those are awesome i mean i play the odyssey stroke lab right now and i love it but i mean from the tacky kangaroo grip uh just to do the the colors and the manufacturing goes behind them when we talk to that guy I am completely sold as I think you are uh with those guys over there and what they're putting out.
1: Yeah, so I don't want this to come off as like a paid advertisement because trust <laughs> Not at all, but <laughs> Trust me, we're not getting paid. There's no free ads, but we sat and talked with Tim who is the equipment rep for Swag Putters and they do 100% custom milled putters um their team came from Bettinardi so you know they're dealing with those high end models um they've all worked on like the hive the honeycomb pattern Bettinardi ones which go for you know enormous amounts and they sell out instantaneously and these guys just decide you know what like we can do it ourselves and we can make it a little bit cooler and trust me they made them pretty damn cool But the feel, like Dan said, on these kangaroo grips and the head weight and just the pureness of these putters was just insane. And not only that, but I think what they do in the putter market is capture uh, newness and excitement as much as you can in a putter through the different designs and the different colors that they use and some breaking news on leave the pin in tim said that they're currently working on a mallet now right now they have only blades since they are 100 percent milled but they do have kind of like a fat back blade which almost looks like a mini mallet um remember that augusta style one we saw there dan
0: yeah that was sweet and he just basically said that they were going to round that out in the back to make into a small mallet
1: Yeah, so if if that comes out, um, you know, I'm jumping online trying to beat the bots to get one from Swag, Golf. Uh, but if not, I might have to call in a favor to Tim and uh, (laughs) and see if it's possible to send him an email today. Yeah, see if it's possible (laughs) to buy one on the side. Um, Yeah, you know, another thing I want to talk about, which I know you and I talked about this uh, prior, but it's so interesting to me the level that caddies and tour reps have in the game the depth that they have we talked to numerous caddies that were either mini tour players played on the corn tour when it was web.com or some guys that had pga tour status i mean hell we've met equipment reps the titleist scotty cameron putter equipment rep drew page played six years on pga tour latino america and the canadian mckenzie tour and now he's a titleless rep uh with Scotty Cameron. So like these are all dudes that are so deep into the game. It's uh it's pretty amazing. I bet you could put a an all-star team together, a Ryder Cup style team together of just equipment reps and caddies that could probably kill people out on the course.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was it was cool to see that. And you know, if all the young dudes are coming into the game. You know, they want somebody who knows these courses and somebody who has played the game and is not just going to sit there and be a yes man to them. Uh, you know, the one dude, uh, I forget whose caddy it was, but they said he was a two-time division two uh, champion, which, you know, at whatever level you go back to back. I mean, you're a pretty legit player and you got some, uh, you got some mental game as well. So yeah, that was, uh, that was very, very cool to learn
1: uh yeah that was yeah, something, uh something that
0: I was i didn't really expect
1: that was more uh caddy jj oh correct yep jj that's right you know two-time division two national champ played the mini tours um you know just didn't have the game or the ability or even the want to stay out on the pga tour or get you know corn Ferry tour status and try to move up and uh caddies for colin And now they're you know a phenomenal team uh dan speaking of colin how down to earth and cool was he
0: yeah i mean brain was brain was down to earth and he's a legit dude and i you got to put con right in that too i mean we talked to him twice out there uh you know asked him about leaving the pen in which unfortunately he doesn't so we have to uh talk to him about that next time and see if he changes his mind but uh yeah he just seems like such a legit kid he's you know, and he's he's one of those young guns, which there's so many of them, but I think the game is in great hands with kids like him.
1: Yeah, not only are these guys like Wolf, Hovlin, Camp Champ, Morikawa, I mean, the list goes on and on. Not only are they phenomenal players, but you can tell, or at least they put on the act, that they were just raised correctly. I mean, there was no pretentiousness whatsoever. I saw Colin, you know, signing autographs to kids in between stopping. uh Matt Wolf was just signing a ton when we were walking with him and and Champ. It was just nonstop for him.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was cool to see him signing some stuff for little kids. That's what you really want to see, you know. Adults out there getting autographs is whatever, but yeah, when when they're signing for kids, that's what you like to see. But yeah, I mean, I. As, as, especially as far as Colin goes, there is no act in there. That, that guy is just, he's just down there. He's cool. And hopefully that never changes, you know, got the first win under his belt. And, uh, I'm sure there's many, many more to come. Uh, so you hope he stays the same. And I think, uh, I think double D Don, uh, Don, the caddy was telling us, uh, that he, that he thought the same thing about Colin.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, for a dude to give us, while we're walking kind of inside the roast with him and and honestly, you know, let's let's be quite honest, interrupting him in between, you know, the ninth and <laughs> yeah. tenth hole is is ready to hit and him being like, okay, well, yeah, you guys have a podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, man. That's cool. Whatever. Let's let's chat. Um, you know, you, you can't be thankful enough for that because the guy has no reason in the world to stop and chat. He could easily give the old tour pro adage of, oh man, not right now, but after the round. I mean, the guys like that, you know, must have that memorized. Um, now, whether that's because he's a rookie or because he's just, you know, a, a good, wholesome dude. And honestly, man, after talking to him, I really think that's the case. Um, we definitely need some more guys like that. But I'll tell you, like, I'm going to reiterate exactly what you said. The game is in good hands because every single young gun that we talk to that you've seen the last two months on the PGA tour lighten up has been nothing but open and they were willing to talk, chat, or even just, you know, give a little insight as to what's going on. Some didn't want to be on camera for Instagram. Some did, you know, it's cool. It's whatever. Um, but man, it was a, an experience and a half. And, uh, You know, we were down at the range a lot, Dan, and I think I know what your favorite moment at the range might be, but why don't you let the listeners out there know what kind of made your week at the Wyndham Championship?
0: Well, I mean, when you get confused for a pro golfer, it's going to boost your ego just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Cam Champ and I happen to be wearing very, very similar outfits, and uh yeah, you know, I'm not going to be as tall as him, but uh I consider myself as good-looking as him, so maybe that was really what kicked it off.
1: <laughs> I'm sitting there, I got the big camera out, taking pictures of all the prototype tour balls, all the tees, giving people a little background of of, you know, the fact that the tour pros are actually using whatever ball that they hit in competition at the range. And then next thing I know, and like these two caddies are like, oh, no, go ahead, dude. Like, you know, if you're waiting for that TP, you know, uh, Red 5X, like, you know, you can have in Dan's like, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm here doing media. Like, oh, dude, we thought you, oh, oh I thought you were the, a player. He's like, you don't play out here?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, my
1: swing uh, my swing will never play on tour, but, uh, but flattering nothing will <laughs> do. For sure. Um and then we got some good pictures of you and Cameron Champ up on the putting green and you know I could, I could see how people from afar might mistake because you two were very similarly dressed and if anyone from Nike's listening you might want to throw our man Dan from Train on Main a little bit of uh cash or swag his way because he represented you very well yesterday on the course.
0: Yeah, just make sure it's not the same thing that first kept his way in all the time. <laughs>
1: Um, so Dan, who else that we saw there kind of Mm -hmm. impressed you, whether it was from speaking with them or just flat out watching them play?
0: Uh, I would say on the range, the most impressive thing was just that nobody misses, you know, and you see it on TV and you see, you know, you see these guys hitting, hitting great drives and, you know, sometimes hitting into the stuff and hitting into trees and, but mostly hitting greens or whatever. But, honestly, on the range, these guys are so dialed in. And you can look at their faces and, you know, they'll hit five balls and then they'll hit a sixth one and it, to your naked eye, looks like maybe two feet to max two yards off of where they set the, the ball before that. And you can just see the disgust in their face. Uh, you know, it just... their Their expectation of themselves is so impressive and their... Uh, they're disgust really when uh, when they don't do something that they know they can do is uh, is something that I'm not sure you can really see on TV. You know if a guy hits it into the woods obviously he's gonna be upset but you know if these guys miss their mark by two yards they're <laughs> they're expecting something better from themselves.
1: Yeah one of the things that really surprised me on the range was the different warm-ups and the different ways people would use the reins to their advantage. Um, yeah. You know, we saw guys like Alex Norin and Martin Keimer beating balls for kind of, you know, I don't want to say hours on end, but very long periods of time. Same thing with Ernie. And then uh, we talked with Don Donatello, John Chin's caddy, and it was like 8:10. He's like, oh, yeah, we're teeing off at 8:30. <laughs> and I was like, where's John? He's like, well, he's probably eating or something. John Chin moseys out, hits balls for five minutes, walks up to the first tee. You know, it's just, it's like that Brooks Kepka style. You know, he's like, ah, I'd rather work out. Um, I hit balls for 10 minutes. I don't need to hit many. You know, I just got to get loose and I'm ready to go. And then there's some yeah. guys that are, I don't know, to, to my eye, look like they're really grinding and searching for something. I'd be, I'd be worried if I was a player... In the last week of the season, trying to get into the top 125 to make the playoffs, I'd be very, very worried if I was still looking on a Tuesday or a Wednesday for something to go right with my swing.
0: Yeah, you can be more right about that. Uh, the guy that I think we probably saw grinding the hardest is probably Hideki. I think most times we went to the range either before or after he played. He was he was on there with his. Entourage. I mean, I definitely think that he had the most people with him. Uh, and then we saw him up on that small little putting green uh, right behind the first tee. So I think that's the guy that was probably grinding the most.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure we saw Hideki on the course or even leave the range for that matter.
0: Right, yeah. I Honestly, you could be right. I don't even know if he played a practice round. Because uh, he didn't play in the pro round the day before. Uh, i'm not sure he was in on wednesday but yeah i mean he might not have even played a practice round
1: yeah so uh, again it's just you know different strokes or different folks and and when people try to tell you that i oh, man, every tour pro swings the same or i mean they all hit it the same way like you you could not be more wrong you go out and you watch 15 tour pros that close and and man, every swing is like a fingerprint, you know, and I don't care if you were a fan sitting in the stands or you had access like uh, sitting right behind the guys. I mean, you can tell the difference between the swings. Uh, one swing you can definitely tell, which I thought was so sick. and I was so happy to see up close was Matt Wolf's swing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're sitting at the range. I'll focus on more over there. And you hadn't talked to me in five minutes. I'm like, what's going on with this guy? And you're just sitting there enamored with Matt Wolf. You didn't even tell me he was there
1: i i could not take my eyes off it like the athleticism in the swing is phenomenal um do i think the swing's going to hold up for 20 years Uh, i'm not sure you know because his whole swing is predicated on that hip turn and, and snapping and i think that slows down after a while but i mean hell it's better to burn out than to fade away right so if you can have eight great years on tour i mean make your money and get it boy
0: yeah, so true. And what was impressive about his, he is, if anybody is repeatability to its core, it's him. I mean, he has that little, that little quick hip turn before he actually even swings, gets himself back set and then comes through again. And I mean, with as much movement as in that swing for it to be repeated so perfectly every time that it would extremely impressive.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where that's a guy that made his own swing, owns his own swing, and doesn't ever try to be anything he's not. I think that's why the repeatability is there. Now, I say that as a guy that owns a very unique swing, so I can kind of uh, understand at its core you know, how it's repeated and how it's done. I'm not saying my swing is anything like his or the distance or the accuracy is, but, but I get it. You know, because right. if you look at my swing, you say, I don't know how you can hit a golf ball like that, dude. And you <laughs> you try to do it, and you can't do it. You know, just like if you yep. try to do Matt Wolf swing, well, you might be able to recreate it similarly, but you're not doing it the exact way. Like, you're not going to do it his way because it's his swing. But yeah. everybody can swing smooth and easy like Ernie and get into that same position because it's like a textbook position. You
0: know? How about that massive... Uh... Elbow brace that Ernie had on on the range.
1: Yeah, Ernie's got something going on, and, and and honestly, you know, I mean, he's not a regular on the tour anymore. He plays here and there, but he had an elbow brace that you would see on a defensive lineman. I mean, it went yep. from shoulder all the way down to mid forearm. And uh, well, let's he, be
0: honest, he's as big as a defensive lineman.
1: He's a. a I mean. He wasn't on the range till late yesterday, uh, late Tuesday. Now, as we're recording this, and when he walks out there and gets on the range, I mean, he towers over some of these boys. You take a kid like yeah, that was would... I was gonna say a kid like Colin Morikawa or, or Victor Hovland is really not much taller than than you. Let's say an average sized guy, and Ernie is all of six four. I mean, he is a big boy.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a takeaway that I had, you know, from the uh, from the week was a lot of these guys. You see them on TV, and you know, it can be kind of deceiving. A lot of these guys, five eight, five nine, five ten on a good day, really, and you know, you see them on TV, and you might see that they're a little slender, but you think that they're at least six foot, and it's just, just not the case.
1: No, I mean, you know, the the new. H-Tour Pro is tending to be a little bit taller, you know, kind of that average six-foot range, but still that long, sinewy muscle, that fast-twitch muscle fiber that they have. Uh, the days of, like, Tim Heron or any kind of lumpy, fat, W. Uh, Waldorf-style walrus golfer is kind of gone, you know? Um, even if these guys have a little bit of a pop belly, I mean, uh... They're still in pretty damn good shape nowadays.
0: Yeah. I mean it seems to just be predicated on you know flexibility and uh you know, there are some guys that obviously have uh have the power like Brooks and you know some of these other guys on tour, but you know, you look at Morgan and this guy is five nine, one forty five at the max.
1: Oh, yeah. You put a t shirt and a hat on this dude, or a t shirt and sunglasses, a hat, flip flops, and shorts, and he walks anywhere in the world and no one knows him. Exactly. Right. And the guy just won a PGA Tour event. Yep. <laughs> Uh, give me, give me your thoughts. We talked a lot about this as we walked the entire co- course numerous times, which we know most media members were not doing. They were sitting in the air conditioning. Um, we no, were out none, there.
0: None were doing. We're,
1: right. Yeah. I didn't want to put it that way, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> <It's true though. laughs> I do I want to throw too much shade on them, uh, <laughs> but you know, it was mid nineties and we were hoofing it. We probably walked the course a total of three times. Um, it's a Sedgefield a very old course. I think it's 1909 designed by Donald Ross. Um what were your thoughts on the course, Dan? Because I know we had a few takes on this.
0: Yeah, I mean the course is obviously old and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Uh it seemed it seemed weirdly short and weirdly long in spots. Uh you know, they did get some length out of the par threes, uh, especially the one on the back. Uh you'll have to correct my it's like yeah it's
1: like 11 or 12 yeah
0: yeah played 255 Um, to the back right yeah so and that green is going to be crazy (laughs) so that'll be fun to watch but yeah and there were just no there's nothing scenic really about the course there's a lot of houses a lot of mansions really and some being built you know as we speak uh but yeah it wasn't I don't know what I exactly expected because you know I see it on TV and it looks one way, but then when you're actually there, it looks a different way. And uh, it's in basically neighborhoods, and there's roads running through it every once in a while, and you know it just, it just wasn't very scenic. Although it it is very nice, Uh just not many not many holes where you look at it and you're like, wow, that's that's a beautiful golf hole.
1: Right, Uh I agree 100%. There, um how do I want to say it? The Par fives leave nothing to the imagination. Um, hell, the the first par f- or the yeah the first par five on the back or the only par five on the back because there's only two par fives playing as a par seventy. The first par five on the back, guys are hitting three wood off the tee and getting home in two. So yep. that's not a par five. Um, <laughs> the par threes are long, difficult, and I think what really uh, most people would probably agree with are the only scenic aspects of the course. I don't think any par four, with the exception of 18 and that big uphill T shot to the undulating, I mean uphill second shot to the undulating green, I don't think any par four sticks out as creative, imaginative routing or anything. Two, uh, two, two is a little bit of a quirky par four, so it's it's pretty cool visually. I wouldn't want to play it. Like these guys are hitting hybrid right. off the tee and then mid iron in. Um, you know, we'd be hitting driver long iron. Uh, it's a yeah, cool. that's the
0: same. The same as I think thirteen that has that blind tee shot. So two and or uh, yeah, two and thirteen are right. very similar. Uh, where but these guys are going to devour it. I mean, they are. They, yeah. They can, they can put a shot wherever they want to. They're going to hit a hybrid or a 6-iron, you know, right up to where they need to, and then they have, what, 100 to 125 in yeah. on both those holes? Yeah, and wedges, and, I mean,
1: it. it's going to be wedges and 9-irons in most of the day. I mean, look, remember, this is where Snedeker shot a 59 last year in the first round. Um, it was the first actually televised PGA Tour Live 59 from, like, opening tee shot to final putt, and, all he did was throw wedges at holes. And so the only trickiness about this course, the only time people are going to find trouble, I really think, is probably on those par threes. A bunch of them are downhill, so club selection is going to be very, very important. Um, there's there's going to be no wind to speak of. They're supposed to get a little bit of pop-up showers here and there, so the greens should be soft. I mean, I could see someone winning this tournament at... 22, 24 under par. and I think the lowest on tour this year so far was 22 under par. And I could see someone breaking that, even, even with this being a par 70.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I'd be shocked if somebody doesn't win a 20 under.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the score's going to look, it, to me, I think that they're going to look like a corn tour uh final score, you know, of, of that 18 to 24 under range.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more.
1: And now this is this is the week again, which cuts down to the top one twenty five. Next week they're going to be in New York, um, playing the first of three FedEx Cup playoff events. Remember, they went down to three now, and so we play the first two. Then we have a week off, and we go to Atlanta for the Tour Championship. Wrap all that up, uh, Dan. Last thing I want to talk about, which I thought was really cool too, and and I again. Uh, I love the Monday access, and again, we said Monday was the first of two pro-ams, today Wednesday being the second one right now going on, but it was awesome because there were no fans on the course Monday, and I know that kind of sucks for some people that want to be there, but as media out on the course, I mean, it was amazing. Walk wherever you want, do whatever you want, get everything taken care of on Monday, grind, get hundreds of pictures, hours of video. Um, and have kind of a place to yourself. But the coolest thing to me and you, and I know we're both into fashion and into you know uh, taking a bit of the tournament away with us. How awesome was it to have the merch shop, the pavilion, completely to ourselves?
0: Oh, completely untouched, not picked over. I mean, everything we possibly wanted. Yeah, that was that was definitely cool. We actually got there. Before it was even open on Monday, we walk up, doors are still locked. We had to go wait 20 minutes and walk around, which ended up being great anyway because I think that's when we met Jason Gore. Uh, but yeah, that was that was very cool and just the the color palette that they use, and you know, they even had the Ralph Lauren Polo rep there. You know, you could talk to him. We actually talked to them about trying to get us a shirt that they didn't have. Uh, that was that was very cool. Plus, it was air conditioning, so uh, it was a nice break from the heat.
1: Yeah, and we even were uh, congratulated by the workers as making the first purchases of the week as we left. You're damn right. <laughs> so, you know, normally, w- what i found is the regular tour events normally don't do a great job at branding and having cool gear. Because let's be honest, like, You go to, um, I mean, you know, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Like, Waste Management is not a cool logo. I don't want to rock that on a hat or a t-shirt. You go to Rocket Mortgage 3M. Like, they're not cool. That's not a cool company. I don't care about that. And to turn that into a logo that makes you want to buy it is difficult. So, usually, the majors are the only events that have just awesome to die for apparel um, and merchandise. But I got to tell you, like I- I'm not a, a Wyndham paid sponsor. Um, I'm not a guy that's like, ooh, I only stay in Wyndham's. I don't have a Wyndham card or a Wyndham Visa's reward card. I don't even know if I stayed in a Wyndham property my entire life. But they did a bang-up job of not only... Subtly including their logo, but emphasizing the Sedgefield logo. Everything that they sold had their logo small, but also included the Sedgefield crest, which I thought was a nice touch.
0: Yeah, the Sedgefield crest is very simplistic. It's just uh, like an old school English S, uh, which you know pops on most things, which was which was nice. And yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head. It really a lot of tour events. I mean, I was, I was at the Waste Management this year and didn't buy anything because it's plastered with that big green and, uh, green and yellow WM on there and that just, it doesn't look good, you know, but with, uh, with the Sedgefield on it, it really does look cool and like I said before, the color palette that I used, I used all like summery and spring colors, some floral stuff and, you know, some paisley stuff and, uh, like lighter, lighter pinks and lighter yellows and blues and, and that's what, that's what i thought when we walked in like there was the color the colors that they used, it it flowed through every single thing that they had on the shelves and i thought that uh that that was extremely well done
1: yeah and you can't go wrong when your entire merchandise pavilion is sponsored by polo ralph loren so you know right there that's uh that proves that they've got good taste um so obviously dan people want to know what'd you pick up
0: I picked up that sweet hat, the sweet floral hat with some flamingos on it. Got a golf towel because I've been looking around for one. Then we picked up a few more things. What did you pick up?
1: Um, I got the same exact hat, but I got it in blue. Uh, You got the white one. It's got pineapples, palm trees, flamingos with a Wyndham Championship logo on it. Got a few ball markers for my kids and picked up a uh, key fob because it had the Sedgefield crest on it. I thought that was pretty sick. Oh, and I got a flag to hang up in my golf Uh, room. Got that as well. So, I mean, that kind of puts a wrap on Wyndham week. Uh, You know, obviously, we're here. We're going to be posting stuff all week long. Uh, But wanted to get a quick pot out to kind of let everyone know what's going on down here. Check out our Instagram stories. Check out our Instagram posts. We've got stuff all over the place from, you know, your favorite tour pros talking about leaving the pin in or not leaving it in for that matter, which is cool, Colin. We see you. We're still fans. Um, But, again, you know, if you want to see what goes on behind the scenes, you want to see the equipment that you'll never be able to get and will never be able to get, you want to see the balls that you'll never and will never be able to hit, Uh, We're giving it to you all this week at Wyndham. Uh, Dan, give yourself a plug real quick for Train On Main.
0: Hey, Train On Main. In the fall here, coming up, right as golf season is winding down, we're going to be looking to get a bunch of golf-specific guys in, and we're going to do golf workouts. Uh, We're going to be looking at weight loss stuff. We're also going to do lots of flexibility stuff. We're going to do pre-testing and post-testing Uh, in November and in March, uh, just to see where you've been at throughout the winter. Uh, So give us a call at 570-807-7901 or check us out online.
1: Very cool. And uh, obviously check out our sponsor, Mulligan's Golf. Doug from Mulligan's Golf got uh, some airtime as well there. We put, actually we hid, if you're down there right now listening, we hid a few 25% off coupon uh, to mulligansgolf.com around the course. And so if you can find those, then you use that card. And we gave it to some of the volunteers too, and they'll be giving it out to people. And uh, that's going to get you 25% off at mulligansgolf.com. So check out Mulligans Golf online, check them out on Instagram, and then of course, check out us, Leave the Pin in, on Instagram and on Twitter at Leave the Pin. Simple as that. And uh, give us a call. Give us a voice message. We're not taking any this week because we just want to do it with Dan from Train on Main. Kind of a wrap-up of the Wyndham. So we're not going to put any of the voicemails on this week's episode. But if you want to get on the air on Leave the Pin in podcast, it's eight four three six zero eight zero zero one three. You got anything else, Dan? Oh, no, appreciate the invite,
0: and uh, enjoy yourself down in the
1: warm weather. Yeah, no doubt. All right, people, so either get busy golfing or get busy dying.